Dad knows a lot, a whole lot. We're going a little bit older. Let's get to eight. My father doesn't quite know everything. Go a little bit older. Let's have a look. Year 12. Oh, 12 years of age. Oh, well, of course, father doesn't know everything. So dads, as they get older, your credentials come down. Let's go a little bit further. 14. Father, oh, he's so old-fashioned. How many 14-year-olds? How many think their dads are old-fashioned? Okay, here we go. Bit older. 21. This is Jaden's age. Oh, that man is out of date. What did you expect? We get a bit older, 25. He knows a little bit about it, but not much, especially when it comes to computers. Okay, let's go a little bit older. 30. I must find out what Dad thinks about it. Well, we're starting to get, Dad's are starting to creep up a little bit again now. Let's go a bit further. What would Dad have thought about that? I wonder what dad, see as we get older, we come from a place where I actually want to know what dad's thinking. Go a little bit older, at 60. I wish I could talk it over with dad once more. You see how our opinions and our thoughts of dads change as life goes on. But I wonder what God would think of us. And I wonder if we were to sit in the coach's room. What he would say. Now, here's a picture. Tell me what happened this week. Anyone tell me what this picture's about? What happened? Who can tell me? Hey? The ump was talking to Nick Curios. He was talking to him. What was he doing? Anyone know? What was he talking to him about? What's that? Sorry? Yeah, he was telling him, well, actually, the, the report was that he was telling him and giving him some advice, saying, look, mate, you can do better. You can do this. I believe you. You can do this. The uh, actual comment that came back afterwards was he was telling him that it was a little bit noisy. But the umpire is not supposed to get off his little perch and come down and talk to you. But what about if God, your coach, was to step down the ladder and come and talk with you. I want you to imagine today. It's mid-game, okay? We've just played half the game. This is the game of life. And we've got half the game happening. And we've gone out to the, to the locker room. We've gone out to the change rooms. And you walk in and you can just, just sniff. You can smell the Denko rub. Smell the sweat. You're walking, yeah, you're walking into the room. And the coach is there. He's getting you to huddle. He's bringing you together. Some of you are limping. You've done a bit of a few hammies. You've done your knee in. You've stretched something the wrong way. Maybe you've had a bit of concussion. I don't know. But life has worn you down a little bit. And you're coming into the change rooms of life. And in this change room, there is the creator, God himself. Now, if you don't believe in God, I just want you to imagine him for a moment, okay? So God is in that change room about to talk to you about life. I wonder what he would say. Because you see, if you read the Bible, you'll hear over and over and over again, God has these locker room discussions, these pre-game discussions with people. Adam and Eve, he had a pre-game discussion. 
hey guys, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Why are you come into the change room? Stop hiding behind the bushes. I need to have a chat to you. He talked to, to Moses. Remember the old burning bush had a little bit of a pre-game chat with him. He had a pre-game chat with Job. Job was doing it pretty tough. He'd lost his family. He lost his job. He lost his business. He lost his health. He lost everything. And God has a pre-life discussion. Sorry, a mid-life discussion with Job. He had a chat with his disciples. Took him up on a mountain. Said, hey, check this out. Show you my glory. Here he is. I'm, I'm, I'm the amazing God. Look at me. I come down to all the glory of, of heaven on, on top of this mountain. Let's have a pre-life chat. Did it with Paul, who was Saul, on a road to Damaeus. And he gets blinded and he falls on his knees and he meets God. And he has a pre-life, pre sorry, mid-life discussion. I wonder what God would say to you right now. If you were to come off the game of life, come into the change rooms, I wonder what he would say. I want to give you three things that's important, whether you're a believer or not a believer today. Here's three things that's really important, not whether you're a dad or you're a child, because if you all look like your kids or somebody, um, there's no aliens here, is there? No. Uh, or whether you're a, you're a granddad, a grandmother, a, a wife, whoever, I want you to stop for a moment. Because there's three important things that we must remember about life. And we find it in Genesis when God has a chat to Abraham. And he says, I think I need to let him in on what's going on. So he lets him in on what's going on. And we read it in Genesis 18. If we open up the scripture, it says this. Genesis 18 verse 19. I can find it. It's up there. Ah, here we go. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Here's three things about a pre-game, I'm sorry, mid-game conversation with the coach. The first one is this. Know that you've been called. Know that you've been picked for the, for the, for the team. You've, the draft pick's been called out and you're the one. Know that you've been called. Second was this. I've forgotten it. You've been called. You've been given a... I better get back to my notes. Ah... Uh, Challenge, holy dooly, there we go. You've been called, you've been challenged, and you've, what's the third one? You've got the game plan. You've been called, you've been challenged, there's a game plan. Here's the first thing to know. You've been called. See, every one of you have been called for your position in the game. Every one of, no one here is an accident. You actually were called and you were set apart. God has appointed you. No one can do the job that you've been called like you can do. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we think we're competing against other people. But know this, you have been called. You have been chosen. You are the best dad that your kids can have. Why? Because you were set apart. God sorted it out. You 
were called. I want you to do me a favour. But everybody, everybody, grab your hand. I spoke to a coach this week and he was talking to me and he said, grab your hand. Everyone look at your hand. What do you see in your hand? Tell me. What do you see in your hand? What do you see? Go and someone tell me. What do you see? Your hand. Look at it. What do you got? Skin. What else is in your hand? What's that? I can't hear it. Lines in your hands. Yes, there's lines. No. Give it. What's in your hand? Nothing. No. What's in your hand? There's something on your hand that's different to anybody else's. What is it? Fingerprints. Fingerprints. You see, in your hand are fingerprints. And those fingerprints can do all sorts of things. I discovered that the fingerprints can actually make my phone pay bills by just pressing my fingerprint on the little sensor. It opens up my phone by thumbprint. My fingerprints actually got me into America. I put my hands on this thing and it said, whoop, yep, he's, you, he's who he says he's supposed to be. Your fingerprints could get you into prison. <clears throat> your fingerprints are yours. They're unique. They've been given to you. No one else has got the fingerprints like you've got. And when you look at those fingerprints, you look at those and you say, God has made me different to anybody else. I'm unique. You have been placed in your position of life because of who you are. You're unique. We need to know you've been called. You've been draft picked for the game of life. To be a parent, to be a son, to be a daughter, to be a wife. You have been chosen right from the beginning of time. The great psalmist said, you were knitted together in your mother's womb. You were put together for a purpose and a reason. In Romans it says that you have been predestined before the beginning of time. If you've got a child, fathers, you have been gifted and called to be the father of your kids. That's an amazing thought. And when I understand that, I understand that life is not about me trying to compete against anybody else. It's about me fulfilling my unique role. Children, you have been called to be kids. How, do you, how are you kids to your parents? You're unique. First thing we need to understand is that you are unique. You've been called. The second thing is this. You've been given the challenge. Look at the challenge. I have, sorry, you will direct your sons and their families. You have been given a job to do. You have been created not just to be who you are, but to lead other people. How are you influencing other people? There was a guy called Simon Sedek. Anyone know Simon Sedek? Had read, watched any of his videos on the why is what he's famous for. Does a lot of leadership talks. I heard him speak over in, uh, at the conference we went to, and he made this comment. He said, too often we set goals and objectives for organisations and for businesses with goals that are finite. We're going to achieve this, 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 and this. He says the successful companies, the ones that have done well, actually have infinite goals. In other words, they're not always like they might be even unachievable. He made a suggestion. He said, the thing is that a company that is driven by a cause rather than by a goal 
is likely to achieve more because your only competitor is yourself. And he made the example of Apple. Many of you know Apple. If you've got a phone or a watch or an iPad or a, a Mac computer, you know all about Apples. Steve Jobs, 1980, made an amazing statement. And this is what he said. He said, this is our mission, is to think differently. And he said this, to make a contribution to the world by making tools for the mind that advance humankind. His objective was driven by a cause. When we look at our children, when we look at our parents, when we look at where we are in life, the challenge is, what are you here for? What's the cause? I said to our staff when we were doing some strategic planning at the beginning of the, at the end of last year, I said, let's not look at goals and objectives. What's our cause? Do we really, really believe that God can transform a life? Because if God can transform a life, that's our cause. That's what drives us. That's what our objectives should be. That's what our strategic plan should be about. It's about the cause. What's your cause as a father? That my kids, I don't know what it might be. For me, that my kids might come to know a God that is bigger than themselves. For you, it might be that, they, that my kids will be loved and supported and embraced. Maybe your cause is that as a father, my children, who I have been called to be the father of, might know the love of a father. What's your cause? You see, Abraham was given a cause. His cause was that they would direct his kids towards God. That was his cause. What's your cause for life? Children, what's your cause for life? What is that that drives you? The last thing is this. Not only do you have a cause, you then gave Abraham a game plan. He said, this is how you're going to do it. This is how I want you, Abraham, to direct your kids. By doing what is right and just. The word in the Old Testament is actually called righteous. And the word righteous, if you break it up, actually means to be generous. That particular word righteous means to be generous. Would you live a generous life? Because how you live would actually determine how you influence others. You are an influencer. You're making a difference. But how do you make a difference? The way you live. Have a look at this little video of a guy, that, a coach, who was encouraging his players that how you play the game will influence the rest of the team. Watch this.
stuck around the beat and show your best. Don't tell me you can't do more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a hundred forty pound man across that whole field in your arms. Rock your knees, Got the kisses with the ability to do this with gun strength. How do we spur each other on? How do we spur our kids on? It's the way we live. He was told you were made for something. Keep going, keep going. You were made for this. Keep going, keep going. My dad, who passed away some years ago, was a beautiful man. And I really wished I, I could have chance to sit down and chat with him again, but I can't, obviously. But there's something I'll never forget about my dad. One scene I'll never forget that encouraged me, that has brought me probably to a place where I love reading the scripture. And that was this. One day I walked past his room, his bedroom, and he was sitting there by his bed with his black Bible reading the scripture and praying. And I saw my dad, and that is in spite, picture has never left me. I still have his picture in, my, in our house, and I walk out the door, and he's actually there on the windowsill. And I remember my dad, who read the scripture, and he prayed. In his quiet room, he didn't make a big show of it, but he did that every day. And that inspires me. And I actually asked myself, how do I inspire others? How do you inspire others by the way you live? Do we encourage others by the way we live, by being grumpy, by being nagging, by, by complaining, by telling, talking about how everybody else is doing this and doing that? Or do we encourage people by living a life that's generous, generous with my time, generous with how I live, generous with my finances, generous with my love? for others. Generous with my love for my wife. Gent I want my kids to see how I love my wife. Why? Because I've got all boys and I want them to love their wives. I want to live a life, God, that's going to keep pushing even when I can't see where I'm going. And I'm failed so often and I constantly fail and I beat myself up sometimes because of that. But I've got to keep on going. Because fathers, God has called you. He has given you the challenge. And now this is the game plan. Live your life the best you can. Live your life the best you can. Because your children are watching. Wives, wives, you've been called. You've been challenged. And the game plan is this. Live the lives the best you can. Jesus Christ was the greatest example of this. He was called. He came to earth. He lived his life 
with the challenge that no one, he, he wanted no one to perish. That was his cause. And how did he do it? By living a righteous life. Jesus did that for you and I. And he wants us to do that for others. Kids, God has called you to be children. He has challenged you to, to spur on others. And he's given you the game plan. Live a life close to him. Let's pray so we can worship team up. Father God, thank you that you've given us a game plan. Thank you that the Father's game plan is that you called us, that you've challenged us, and not only that, you've given us the game plan. You've given us everything we need to live it out. Father, would I be, would we be a church that isn't just talk about things, but with a cause, we would live out the game plan that you've given us, which is to know you and to live a life that reflects you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.